We're in the book of James. We're going to conclude chapter 3 today, which speaks about wisdom. So let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. James chapter 3. I'm going to begin at verse 13, read through the end of the chapter, which is verse 18. James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and fruit, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for this moment when we can be together. We thank you for the humility of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the wisdom that you give us. We pray that you would give it to us now. Lord, we pray for our dear sister. We pray that you would be with those tending to her and bring encouragement to her heart and mind. And Lord, we pray that you would refocus us and we would really be able to listen and hear, to be still, to know that you are God. Father, these words are very important and they teach us so much, but only you can open our eyes. Only you can make us think correctly. Only you can make us feel correctly. Would you do that now? For your glory's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're 10 days in to a new year. How are you doing? Some of you love to make resolutions. Others of you resolve not to make resolutions. Some of you have looked at your life, your body, your mind, your soul. You've looked at your relationships, your family, your marriage. You've looked at your status. You've looked at your work. You've looked at all sorts of things and said, this is what I'd like to see change. Others have done it before, saw that it maybe wasn't that productive, and just don't do that anymore. In fact, sometimes you get annoyed by people who do that because they get in your way. They're on the treadmill. And now there's a line. Driving by one of the local parks, I noticed on Friday a huge mass of people, part of Camp Gladiator. They weren't there a few weeks ago, but they're there now. A month or so from now, it might look a little different, but I'm really happy for you. I'm, I'm really glad that people look at their life and say, this needs to change. I do it. I make resolutions. Sometimes I'm able to keep them by the grace of God. Other times... They seem to go away, but there's always room for change. I want you to think about this new year for a moment. How many decisions will you have to make? Think about that. Every day, countless decisions are coming at you. Some are very small. What will I eat? Others are very significant. Now look back to last year. Think about all the decisions that you made. All the decisions that you made at work in your family, in this church. Think about all that you were faced with. Now, some of those decisions weren't very big, 
But others, they rise to the top. And you'll remember 2015 for those events or for those decisions that you made. And we all know, every one of us, that whatever we face, we need wisdom. We need wisdom because we live in a world in our confession which we call sad. It's not always sad, but it certainly has that potential, doesn't it? It's a reality that we face as Peter calls us exiles, sojourners, aliens, strangers. We indeed are on a journey towards our eternal home. And this side of that homecoming, we're going to experience so many things that challenge us. Things that challenge us physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. Relationally, we come to this text which talks about wisdom. And we need wisdom. We need wisdom to know how to be the fathers we should be. Wisdom to know how to be the wives we should be. Wisdom to know how and what we should do. And God gives it. But there's another type of wisdom. We're going to talk about both today for a few minutes before we come to the table. And then talk more about it next week. The first thing you notice is that James asks a question. It's verse 13. I want to ask the very same question. I'll just read it. Who is wise and understanding among you? So, if you're wise, stand up. No, really, if you are wise, stand up. Well, what does that mean? You're all fools? Everybody's sober right now, right? I can't stand up. What would people think about me? If I stand up and say I'm wise, I'm proving I'm not wise. One man saw me after the service and said, I almost stood up. Then my wife grabbed my leg. For those that know him, it was Clay Smith. <laughs> this will be the recording that I have go out. He was joking, of course. But you know what? James wasn't joking. James literally, in the way the Greek is formed, was saying, if you're wise, stand up. Prove it. Show it. And you know why? This is what James is about. From the beginning of the letter to the end, James is saying over and over and over again, whatever is inside you is going to come out. If you have true faith, you are going to have good works. If you are truly wise, then people will know. They will see it. There are a lot of people in here, because of their walk with the Lord, who could have stood up when I asked that question. You are wise because God has made you wise. Jesus Christ is perfecting our faith. And that means that we are being made more and more like him. He actually promises to give us wisdom if we ask him. Now, it would have seemed arrogant and it would have seemed foolish for you to stand. But James is saying, if you're wise, stand up. Who among you is wise? Stand up. And let your life prove that you are wise. 
James describes two types of wisdom. He describes a wisdom that comes from above and a wisdom that comes from below. I want to talk about both of those. First, and we're just going to look at each verse and how it describes it. First, he describes the wisdom from above. Look with me back to verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. There are two attributes or two characteristics of wisdom, of heavenly wisdom, of wisdom from above that James gives us right here. Two. The first is humility, and the second is good works. In the ESV, it's translated meekness. It means humility. So what James is saying is that if you are truly a wise man or a wise woman, then you are a person who's characterized by humility. Interestingly, James really doesn't talk about the types of decisions that are being made. That's typically how we think about wisdom. We think about somebody who makes wise decisions. James isn't talking about that. He's talking about the character of people who are wise. And the character that he specifically brings out first is humility. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among us? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So what James is saying is heavenly wisdom exists in people who are humble. Humility is an awesome thing. It's something that we should strive for because James will tell us later, as Paul did, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The world doesn't think humility is a great attribute. Not in all of it. Some parts do, but most don't. James is saying that heavenly wisdom is a wisdom that's characterized by humility, but it's also characterized by something else, good works. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works. That doesn't mean that a man or a woman who has good works because of the faith they have boast about their works. It's just in them. It's what comes out because it's what's in them. This heavenly wisdom that they have they have as a gift from God because they've been abiding in Jesus, it comes out of them. You see it. So the characteristics of heavenly wisdom, of wisdom from above, two things, humility and good works. The second type of wisdom, though, it's really a phantom wisdom. It's not real wisdom at all. James describes the characteristics of it, and then he describes the origin of it. First of all, let's look at his description of the character of it. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Let's talk about that for a minute. The wisdom from heaven is characterized by humility and good works. The wisdom from below is characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Now think back to last year, where most of your decisions motivated out of humility and out of the fruit of the Spirit, good works, or were most motivated out of 
selfish ambition or bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy, in many translations, don't have the word jealousy there. They use the word envy. Both are appropriate as long as you understand what they mean. The word that James uses here in the Greek is the word that we use for zeal. It actually can be a very good word. In fact, God is a jealous God. And that means he's, he's a God who's jealous to protect his people. He's a God who cares about righteousness and holiness. It's an appropriate jealousy. When there are zealots who are zealous for the right things, that's a good thing. But when it's taken in this case, with this description that says bitter, it is always negative. It is the, the wrong kind of jealousy. And it's a jealousy that doesn't just camp in jealousy, but it's motivated by selfish ambition, which means it's more like envy. And there is a difference between envy and jealousy. Do you know what it is? Jealousy looks at someone and says, I want what they have. It doesn't bother me that they have it, but I want what they have. It can be their wardrobe, or it can be their house. It could be their job. It could be their children. It could be their spiritual gifts. Jealousy sees something and it covets it. It wants what it sees. Envy is the same as jealousy, but it goes another step. Envy says, I want what they have, but I don't want them to have it. And I will do whatever I can to keep them from having it. That's envy. Envy's wicked. But so often, we will make decisions based on motivations that are selfish. And you know, that, that type of envy, that type of worldly wisdom, it exists all around us, even in the church. For example, there are different spiritual gifts among us, aren't there? I've known churches where Bible study leaders will be upset with one another because suddenly some are leaving their class and going to another class. There's nothing wrong with admiring the gifts that God's given somebody and praising God for them. But it's quite another thing to see the gifts that God's given somebody and then being envious that you want the same thing and you wish they didn't have it. Christians have been known to even sabotage or gossip or slander another person in hopes that they wouldn't be as effective. It happens in churches all around. I'm so grateful for the relationships I have with the pastors in this community. I love them. I really hope that the Lord uses their ministry and their churches to thrive. But I'm a human being. And when I see God doing something in some of their churches or using gifts that they have that are definitely better than mine, oh, I'm tempted towards jealousy. I want what they have. But I'm also tempted towards envy. And it's ugly. And when it rises, I want God to destroy it quick. And you know how he does it? We tell each other. We talk to each other about those things. And it's beautiful. Wisdom from below is characterized by bitter jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition. James then goes on to describe the origin 
Did you hear how he described it? Verse 14, 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. I really want to focus here for a minute. Whatever is inside us is what comes out. Wisdom that comes from below, that doesn't come from above, that's not characterized by humility and good works is wisdom that comes from below. It's characterized by selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, envy. And its origin? It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now let's think about that for a minute. How many of you have characterized your wisdom that way? Probably not many. How many of you have said, you know, I'm facing a very significant decision. I'm not sure what to do with this relationship, whether it should go forward or not. I'm not sure if he's the one or she's the one. How many of you have faced a problem at work where you're not sure what to do with an employee or you're not sure what to do with your employer? How many have faced decisions related to health or finances where you really need wisdom? And how many of you said to yourself, you know what? I'm going to seek the wisdom of somebody that's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Demonic. It means from the devil. In each of the words that James uses here, there is an ascending order. Or maybe it would be better to say a descending order. The word earthly is not always a bad word. But in this case, it has a negative meaning. And it's used to describe our thinking or our behavior when it's apart from God. It's dependent upon self. The adjective that James uses here, which we translate as unspiritual, is a Greek word. It's a Greek word for the soul. The Greeks use the word in contrast to bodily functions and appetites within the life of a person, the inner person. It's, it's a conflict. In all, and it only occurs five times in the whole New Testament, this word unspiritual. In all five occurrences in the New Testament, it places an explicit opposition of itself to that which is truly spiritual. What James is talking about is human reasoning and feeling over God. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. And then the last one really does speak of the origin. It comes from the devil. The devil's wisdom is what got him thrown out. The devil's wisdom is not a wisdom that submits to the Almighty God. The devil's wisdom is a wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual. It's wisdom from below. It's not wisdom. It's phantom wisdom. James describes the wisdom from above as being a wisdom that first of all brings purity and peace. It's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. 
Wisdom from below, James tells us, it brings disorder. And I believe that wisdom from below brings disorder in relationships that are horizontal, but also disorder inside your own soul. So James gives us two types of wisdom. The wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. You and I, because of Christ's work in our life and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, can be men and women of wisdom. Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith, is making you more and more like himself. That means more and more wise. But that wisdom from above in you is going to manifest itself in humility. Not selfish ambition. Not jealous, jealousy, bitter jealousy and envy. So final question. How do we become wise? First, we cannot become wise apart from Jesus. You can make decisions that bring about certain results that the world says are successful. But those things won't last for all eternity. The only way we can have true wisdom is by being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That's humbling, isn't it? It doesn't mean we can't do things, but when Jesus said in John 15, apart from me you can do nothing, he meant that we cannot bear the good fruit. Only God can do that in us. It's humbling. But he did everything necessary as the one true perfect man, the one true man, perfect in wisdom, perfect in humility, that we could be saved. So we can't be wise apart from Jesus, not ultimately. Secondly, even if we're in Christ already, the way in which we become more and more wise is to stop looking at ourselves. You don't become wise, not with the wisdom from above, by keeping your eyes on yourself, even in an effort to become wise with the wisdom from above. Wise people who could stand up and you could see their humility and fruit would tell you, the Lord began to do the work in my life when he took my eyes off of myself. I told him I wanted to be humble and it's a thing we should all desire. But the way we get there is not by looking at me, not by looking at self, but by constantly looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So as we prepare to come to this table, we are looking at him. We are looking again at his body, which was broken for us, and his blood, which was poured out for us. We've been singing about it. We've been praying about it already. And now we're coming to a table where in this mysterious and beautiful way, we are going to remember his life and death and resurrection and reign. We're going to take this which represents his body and hand it to one another and say, this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. He died for you.
because he loves you. What kind of death? The most humiliating death we could ever imagine. Well, what kind of birth? A very humble birth. The King of kings and Lord of lords, born by a virgin in a stable. But now Jesus Christ is reigning as our King. And one day Jesus is going to return, and when he does, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all who have trusted in him were humbled. And that humility is a wisdom from above. This table is a beautiful table. It's a table of celebration meant to feed you. But it's not a table for everyone. It is a table that is meant for people who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If today you have not professed faith in Jesus, then God's holy word would instruct us to tell you to let the elements pass you by, lest you eat and drink judgment on yourself. So as the elements pass you by, I want to invite you to think deeply about what you've heard. This may be the very moment that God has brought you to this place where you could hear the wonderful news that Christ died for you, that he loves you. This may be the very moment where you would pray the sinner's prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Would you save me? And I believe in that moment, you, you become his. You become one in Christ. But for all who are already in Christ, I want you to come to this table as the elements are distributed to you. And I want you to know the humility of Jesus that you and I might live forever. The wisdom of God which is foolishness to the world. God sent his son to die. And Jesus came. And he died. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin, that you and I might rise from the dead, covered in his righteousness. This table's for you, brother and sister. Let's prepare our hearts to come. Lord Jesus, I'm so honored to be a part of this body of believers. And as we prepare our hearts to come now, would you draw anyone that does not yet believe in you to you right now? Show them the wonder of the gospel. Bring them to saving faith. And anyone in our midst who's feeling overwhelmed by their own sin and shame, would you use these elements, O oh Lord, to minister to them, that they might remember that your perfect humility, your perfect wisdom, sent you to this place that we might live for all eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.